Hello and welcome to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. Before we dive into who our guest is for this episode, Joe's going to remind us of our show's purpose. Our show's purpose is connecting people of service to stories of service. Love it. So for our episode today on Searching for Service, we have special guest Nancy Economo, who is the founder and CEO of Watts of Love. Yeah, this is pretty incredible. And we incredible just unpacked one. a lot. Yeah, like we're so going to unpack a lot. Yeah. So. To an annual, if you can't get inspired from this, I, yeah. I don't know what, uh, what will inspire you. I think the biggest overarching theme is don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop believing. Sorry, had to do it. <laughs> Anything's possible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, or, um, or don't ignore the calling too. Like yeah. that's the other piece. Yeah. yeah. Like she, yeah. pressing she, on. Yep. I would encourage the listeners to, um, as we start to wrap up the end of this interview, um, what Nancy's message was about just never stopping. Yeah. It was so and hard. how, you know, like, well, listen to the episode and yep. you'll find out more. So, yeah. Well, we'll be back. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. See you soon. Rotary is a place for all community-minded people who want to serve their areas with the support of an international organization. Join Rotary to find service. Join Rotary to find inclusion. Join Rotary to find leadership. Join Rotary to find fun. Join Rotary to find friendship. Join Rotary to find a better version of the world. Find a Rotary Club near you at rotary.org and click on Club Finder. There is a club out there for everyone. Find your fit with Rotary. Rotary Rotary.org. For decades, eradicating polio worldwide has been Rotary's cornerstone cause. We are incredibly close to ridding the globe of this virus, but we need everyone's help to get us to the goal. World Polio Day is October 24th. Please consider making a new donation to Polio Plus or increasing your already generous giving. Go to npolio.org to be a part of this historical eradication of polio. You will help get vaccinations to the most remote parts of our world and help fulfill a promise we made to end polio now. Two drops and it stops. Show off your Rotary Club spirit with Russell Hampton Company. They're the world's largest provider of licensed Rotary items. They make everything like hats, jackets, shirts, banners, and more. Russell Hampton Company is a fourth-generation family-owned and operated business founded in 1920 by a member of the first-ever Rotary Club in Chicago, Club Number 1. When you call Russell Hampton Company, you get more than just a company. You get a fellow Rotarian-owned business who's there to help. No matter if you're ordering for your entire club or just yourself, no order is too big or too small. Not sure what your club needs? Their team members can help and customize just about anything. They live by the Rotary 4-Way Test. They also give 10% of all purchases back to Rotary to support Rotary's global work. So remember, Russell Hampton Company is your one-stop shop for all things Rotary. Learn more at bestclubsupplies.com. That's bestclubsupplies.com. Russell Hampton Company, Rotarians serving Rotarians. Hello and welcome back to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950 and... Russell Hampton Company. We want to thank them for sending us some of the things they print. They're the number one printer for Rotary in the country. Uh, you can see if you're watching on uh, on the video, some of the tumblers, the cutting board, the hat. But Pretty much anything you can throw, yep. throw your name on, they do. Yep, and uh, anything you want Rotary, they have a whole section on their website for it. So, And we're always looking for additional sponsors for the show. So if you are interested in sponsoring the show or learning more about it, you can email us at searchingforserviceshow.com. Thanks, guys. Searching for service show at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. There we go. Good. Thanks, Thank Chad. You. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Let's just do a quick introduction of us as the hosts. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. And we want to welcome our guest, Nancy Economo. I, sa- I hope I said it right. Did you I did. say it right? We Nailed just it. talked about it offline, but just um, trust yourself Nancy and just, just say it. Is the founder and CEO of Lots of Love, and so we're, we're happy to have you on and help our listeners understand what exactly is Lots of Love and who is Nancy. And um, let's actually just dive in and have our listeners get to know you a little bit better. And so, let's start with where are you hailing from for this interview? 
I'm just outside of Chicago, about 16 miles in Downers Grove, Illinois. Okay. Sounds good. And what I know about Chicagoans, maybe I said that right, maybe I didn't, but no matter where you're at in Chicago, like if it's a, people ask like, where are you from? You're like Chicago. Because right. most people just do not understand, like that's the same thing here. Yeah, it you is can't do that thing. in w- Wisconsin yeah. though, because you guys no. don't have anything. Which is where I'm from. So. <laughs> <laughs> did you grow up in Chicago area? Is uh, originally my first nine years was in New York, okay. and then we moved to Downers Grove. Um, lived in the city for eight years, and then started having children and moved back to Downers Grove. Mm-hmm. Yeah, raised my five sons here. Wow, Love five it. sons. That's a nice. lot of that's a it's a football team. <laughs> 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 well, not quite, but um so you are on the the pod, ser, podcast Searching for Service, which is, you know, it's not all geared towards rotary, but it certainly has the rotary affiliation. Are you a Rotarian? I am not. Okay. Yet. Um Oh, I love yet. that answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just um Right, starting a non-for-profit capacity and yep. and raising my five children just yeah. time. I'm kind of an all-in girl, so mm-hmm. if if I'm going to do something, I want to know that I have the time and the capacity to commit. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Well, and so much of this show is about highlighting not only rot- Rotary but like mm-hmm. the organizations that are doing great work. I mean, because at at its root, it's about Preparing people to service opportunities out there, and you guys are obviously doing a lot. So, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, Watts for Watts of Love? That's a nonprofit that you started. You are the CEO and founder. So, how did that come about? Yeah. So, um, just to give a little bit of my background, um, I used to sell jewelry in downtown Chicago for Cartier. So. I say I went from serving the top 1% of the world to now serving the bottom 1% of the world and um, worked there for years. And then I started having children. Like I said, uh, I have five boys. And at that time, I felt like I wanted to be home and raise my children. That was kind of the shift that I made. Um, And then I had the opportunity in 2009 to go to the Philippines. I was married at the time and my husband had worked there and when we were there, he was off kind of doing something. And um, I'm very curious by nature. And I'm like, you know, I just want to see how the Filipino people are living. Um, and I went to a feeding program. And when I was at that feeding program, there was a young girl who the teachers, her face was all burnt. And the teachers were putting toothpaste on her burns. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, what happened to her? And the teachers were very um, like, oh, yeah, you know, this happens all the time. Children are burnt. As a mother, I had never seen anything or heard anything like that. And the teacher shared, yeah, children are burnt all of the time because they don't have lighting. Mm. And they use kerosene. And if it falls over, it's like, you know, one of those Molotov cocktails. Like it just, and I couldn't imagine as a mom how do you raise children in the dark mm. and the repeated trauma that a child has to go through every single night and not having any other option. And just, you know, like just imagining life living in darkness. And I'm like, people don't have electricity. Like that seemed like I was just surprised. And here in America, like when um, we lose electricity, it's front headlines. One million people were without yeah. electricity for 48 hours. Like, People are up in arms here where that's where almost a billion people live every single day. Mm. Fascinating. I always love the context. Like the, it, this show has always yeah. has been so good for context and, and going, yeah, you know, we complain about this, that, or the other thing, but you know, this is normalcy for a lot of the world. Yeah. Well, just the resources that we have so readily available at our fingertips that truly are taken for granted. (laughs) And then you, you know, we give, we are given this perspective of, well, actually there is this incredibly large percentage of people worldwide that do not have 
this resource. And they're exponentially happier than us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. seriously. Yeah. One of the st- – quick story, a, a friend of mine, he uh, used to do work in the Philippines and he he, mm. he was struck by this. He was riding by in a cart and he was watching a man sweep out his dirt hut, like sweep dirt out of his dirt hut and with a smile on his face, seemed like he was the happiest person on the planet. And he's like, that's just seared into my head. This guy literally was dirt poor. Yeah. And was as happy as can be. And so to kind of go back to what what you're talking about is some of these basic things that we just take for granted that create so much advantage for them in their lives in in comparison to what they have on a daily basis. And and I'm sure seeing that and seeing the burns like that, that, that's the first time that I've ever thought of that in that sense of like, oh, yeah, if there's a kerosene lamp and it falls down on you, yeah, that's yeah. going to burn your entire face off. Like that's – you don't think about that stuff because, again, we we come at it from we switch a light on. Mm-hmm. What, so you have that moment and you're obviously inspired, but what's the process from there that, that day? Yeah. yeah, that's – right? So I came home and I had – a house full of babies and laundry and, you know, never having any uh, background in non-for-profit or fundraising or solar lighting or any of those things. Um, I just started really talking about it really for years because like there was a little bit of fear, like, how am I going to do this? What am I doing? But uh, talked to started talking about it, like, I feel like I'm, and what I can tell you is more of a sense and a feeling that I felt like I was supposed to do something. Mm. So I would share with friends and family, like, yeah, I think I'm supposed to, you know, bring solar lights to people. And, um, you know, I, and I had the name called Watts of Love and people would just look at me like, what, like, what are you, what are you doing? And finally I, I, um, decided to step out and I called somebody in the Philippines. It was actually a pastor who I had met years earlier. And I called him. I said, listen, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. And he said, Nancy, I am on a ro- I just went to, I was mo- relocated to an island that has 20,000 people. It's like living 300 years ago. They are so poor. There is no electricity. There's no cars. There's not a bicycle. Like there's nothing. And he said, this would be so incredible. So I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, so now I had, it was easier for me to take the next step. Mm -hmm. Wow. What happened was I started sharing with, you know, when you start something like this, you start with your friends and your family, your circle and started sharing, like, I'm going to go to the Philippines. I'm going to this remote Island. And I wanted to, I'm kind of a big dreamer. So I thought I'm going to go and 1000 homes are going to be let right? Like you can't go there with a hundred when there's 20,000 homes, right? So Mm -hmm. I thought, okay. So ordered a thousand solar lights, had them shipped to the Philippines, um, started raising funds, went to the Philippines, to this remote island in February of 2013. And I get there and all 1000 lights are stuck in customs, right? I didn't think, oh, international shipping and like logistics. (laughs) All of these things that we don't think about. And I thought, I'm a failure. Here, I've told people, I've raised funds, and now I can't even do what I said I was going to do. But what happened is I had three lights in my suitcase. And those three lights made me reevaluate what I was, how I was going to distribute them. So I had to look for the, even though every single person wanted a solar light, who needs this. And so they had identified an older woman. Um, and so I went to her, you know, you know, we're here to give you this light. And the first thing she said is, no, I cannot accept it from you. I am too poor for you to love me. I've oh. been cursed by God. I've been abandoned by my family. My government doesn't know I exist. And so I really was just shocked at the heart connection and the self-worth and like we're, we're here because you're seen you're loved and you're valuable and really every love does is listening and seeing 
and being intentional because looking in someone's eye when you hand them a light takes seconds. And what that can do for somebody who feels abandoned and lost. Um, So that was really a big change for me. And then um, I'm going to share another story. I'm going to share the two stories, the other two lights. The other one was a mother of of seven children. And when I went to her, I gave her the light. The next morning, I thought, what's it like to live in complete darkness? And then instantly your home's lit. And home, meaning a dirt floor, a small little room, 10 by 10 with seven children, right? Like, so this, this is lit. And and so I ran down to Emily. I said, Emily, what was your night like last night? She said, well, it was amazing. After I got my children in bed and they went to sleep, she said, I stayed up and I made 1000 bamboo barbecue sticks. And I was like, wow, like Hmm. you took advantage of the gift of time. Yeah instinctively became an entrepreneur and then you didn't and then you didn't spend money on kerosene so lots of love everything that we do and have learned was because we listened we observed and brought it back and implemented that or what we were hearing into the process and the most impactful was the third light that i gave out and it was a, a family of four children, a husband and a wife. And when I arrived there, the husband said to me, do not speak to my wife. She has no education and she won't understand how to operate the light. So as I was asking him, like, what's it like here? What are you guys eating for dinner? You know, what, what, what kind of food do you eat? And he had shared that that night for dinner, they licked their tongue, dipped their fingers in salt and rubbed salt on their tongue to trick their body into the fact that they had not, no food. Hmm. So it was a level of poverty that I had never really witnessed. And so obviously I left there very heavy hearted, but I'm going to came back to Chicago after that trip. 30 days later, my lights were released from customs. My partner called me and said, Hey, what do you want us to do with these lights? And I went back and that uneducated woman from the top of the mountain heard that what, you know, I was back on the island, came down from the mountaintop. And she said, Nancy, I want you to know that we've never gone hungry one day. And I thought, how, how did this light feed your family? I don't understand. And she said, every day I hide a little bit of kerosene money from my husband. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Like, even though our worlds are so different, we're so similar, right? Like, (laughs) you always want to like squirrel away a little money. So hold on a second here. (laughs) Kelly, do you have anything to to share? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But for me, like, and no pun intended, it was the light bulb moment. Mm -hmm. How do we teach the poorest? most uneducated and disqualified people in the world, women, financial literacy, when they can't count, can't read. And so I came back and that was my goal. How do I do that? And behind me, you can see our financial literacy training. It's pictures, you know, and through the pictures, you can see like there's a fire and a light bulb is the first, like, okay, you no longer are burning kerosene. Mm-hmm. They can understand that concept. And all of our teaching is step by step. You no longer have ker- kerosene. You have a new light, which means you are now responsible for saving your money. All responsibility has to be on the end user. Mm-hmm. And so we walk them through this financial literacy training where now you have a bright light. Your children can study. Like, think about that. You know, it's dark inside of those huts at some 5, 5 p.m. So now the children can study. Then we talk about safety and security. You're not going to be burnt. Bad things happen in the dark, right? If you have a light, I can now see who you are. I can ward off predators. And then just like Emily, we talk about, you know, what can you do to be an entrepreneur? So it's recapturing the old money that went towards batteries and kerosene 
and reinvesting into something sustainable, like a chicken, a goat, a pig. <laughs> so it's this whole process that we go through with a it, with the entire community, and um, you know the results that we're seeing is really ending generational poverty at its root. So, speaking of results, I'm sure there's a, a measurement there. What does that look like for you, for Watts of Love, in terms of like measuring that growth and impact? Impact. Well, so so growth. I have a strategy for growth, which I'll talk about, which is the scaling initiative, which is called the Watts of Love Lighthouse. Because when I first started distributing, you know, I had to come up. You know, you have a limited amount. You, you can't. You cause problems if you don't have a process. Mm-hmm. Right. So my first process mm-hmm. was, you know, uh, uh, single mothers, elderly, handicapped. You know, there was things that we would distribute. But I started to realize the best thing is to light an entire community. So everyone is being raised at the same time. And you can see there's a little friendly competition. Um, so I created something called the Watts of Love Lighthouse Strategy which is like a franchise. It's locally led. So we have local leadership. This is where partnerships with uh, Rotarians throughout the world, which I can talk about a little bit, locally led programs. Um, And we started scaling and that's how we were going to scale. Little did I know there was going to be a global pandemic. So when the whole world shut down, we were able to put that into play and we were able to scale in Malawi, Kenya, and the Philippines and Uganda, it was it was amazing to watch the local leadership step in, own the process. You know, we have everything booklets and training materials and everything to how we do this. Um, so that's the scaling initiative, and that's where I think good partnerships align. Mm-hmm. But then we do monitoring and evaluation, and because. Light is the tipping point for every family Hmm. and it impacts every aspect. So we can measure, right, based on who we're partnering with and what impact we want. So do we, we have measurement on the financial impact, the education impact, the health impact, right? So if they can start buying chickens and eggs and their children get sick. Well, guess you can now buy medicine because you have a chicken to sell. Like Mm -hmm. it's this ripple effect. It's that I don't even think in America, we really understand um, how that works. Yeah. Yeah. There's no context that we're going to have in, in a situation like that, unless we hear about it from the perspective of somebody like yourself, who's kind of like boots to the ground or, I guess when all of this started, you were boots to the ground. Yeah. So. Do you feel like that because the because it all started with that island and that connection, would it would you have had the same success if if maybe it was a, a more overwhelming number? Like like twenty thousand is still plenty. Yeah. But if if you would have gone into a community of 250,000 and you would have brought a thousand lights, like, was there something about kind of the, the manage, the manageableness of the Island that yeah. led to some of the success versus like, being like, great. I just sent yeah. a thousand lights into a community of 250,000 people and didn't really impact. Yeah. And so, Yes. And let me speak about that because people are like, well, why does, you know, why does it cost so much to deliver lights? You're just handing them out and just handing them out exactly like what you said. Originally, when I went there, I thought, oh, like I I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I had a thousand solar lights, kind of like Oprah, you get a light and you get a light. (laughs) I didn't know. But with just having those three lights, when I gave out the first light, I'm like, Oh my gosh, they don't know how to open a box. Oh my goodness, they don't know how to push the button. Mm. Then I went back like, a, you know, a few times at the very beginning, people would leave it on a shelf and not use it. 
because it was a gift and it was mm. valued too much. Wow. So going back and hearing and seeing like, oh my gosh, there needs to be so much more. So it's the first step into the energy ladder. Okay. Mm. So it's like if somebody gave you, you know, 200 years ago, an iPhone, yeah. people 200 years ago would be like, I'm afraid to touch it. What if I yeah. like, and that's kind of the same thing is, is so being out humble enough to slow down and see what their needs are mm-hmm. just technology wise. Um, and then also meeting people where they're at with the first step into savings. Cause they've never heard of savings because they don't have banks. And so when we des- I designed the box to be a bank, so it has a slit in it. So we say every day, instead of going to the kerosene dealer or going to buy batteries, you pay yourself first and you put the money in here. Mm. And then in seven days, you open your box and you go buy a small chicken. Hmm. That is like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> and then when you say, you know, your chickens multiply. It's, um, it's an, it, it's a, we can't imagine the impact. And so just handing out a light is a waste of time, money, and energy. If people are not taught how to take advantage of this opportunity. Yes. And I'm just going to throw some numbers out. The global average that somebody spends on batteries or kerosene is $155 a year, right? So that's to light their home. Mm-hmm. In Coda Coda, our first lighthouse, we've distributed 20,000 lights to 20,000 homes. 20,000 times 155 is $3.1 million dollars. That was being thrown away in their landfill wow. with toxic every year. Yeah. One village. Nobody is looking at, at what's coming ahead because the batteries, they usually use six batteries every three days. Hmm. It, it, it's, it's staggering. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, my mind is a little blown right now. It's, yeah, it's kind of... Weird you know, going through that math that you just, and then understanding too, it's the impact, that kind of domino effect of impact. Yeah. I love the discovery of that, by the way, that was an interesting story where you kind of like, okay, I'm going to deliver lights. And then you go, man, they don't even know how to unwrap this, let alone use it, let alone what to do with the savings that they get after that. And so it, it almost, it almost shed light to you know mm-hmm. on what needed what would the real issues were which is education self-worth there's a big piece in that like just in the stories that you've been telling yeah. of like they don't even feel worthy of of any kind of gift or, or or good thing and to get around some of the psychology around that is is really interesting uh talk a little bit more about because you know we've you mentioned briefly how you've scaled into some other locations, and I think this is how probably Rotary came in um, into play is Uganda and um, uh, what's the place in Africa, the other place in Africa? So, Uganda, Malawi, Kenya. Malawi, Malawi, yeah. Our club actually does a pretty large um, project in Malawi. That's where uh, – oh, yeah. Hmm. Matter. Excellent. Matter, yeah. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit about how you connected those dots. Absolutely. So um, I always knew of Rotary. So when I started Watts of Love, it was really one of the first partnerships that I aligned with. Um, Speaking at a lot of clubs here in the Downers Grove, Naperville, quite a few uh, clubs here in in the Illinois area I spoke, spoke at. I also back in, um, and because I was working in the Philippines, I felt like that was another connection that we needed to make because I feel like 
letting people know you're we're working in your backyard is is important and i believe relationship is is key to any success so i've spoken at the rotaries in manila um so it's it's been it's been growing and expanding um but what I'm really excited about is somebody who has traveled extensively with us and is a very dear friend and partner of Watts of Love is my friend Colleen. And she is a Rotarian and has traveled extensively with us and is really, I said, I, I need I need a little help, like figuring out how can we expand this because Watts of Love is unique because you don't need a special skill set except patience, hmm. willingness to participate, right? Mm -hmm. So she has really stepped in. She's um, the the president of her club in Arizona, and she has received a global grant, which I'm very happy to say. We have met with um, four different Rotary clubs in Kenya, in Nairobi, um, and also up north in in, um, the Sambrua area tribe we're working with. I can't remember the name right now. Um, So we've activated those. They've done a needs assessment and we're starting this year in 2024. Um, Like what our partnership and what I loved was in when we were in Nairobi, uh, one of the Rotarians there said, wow, like we could literally light Africa. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, we can. (laughs) It's it's strategic, right? It's mm-hmm. it's village by village. Where the needs the highest? How many people? Like, you know, it 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 is possible. And in Malawi, there's a word that we use that they use that we've adopted, and it's called Zotega. Um, we were distributing lights, and my partner was yelling Zotega, and the people were yelling Zotega back. And I said, "What's Zotega? It's possible." <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's possible to bring lights to people. It's possible to get a chicken because mm-hmm. those are things that they never thought were possible. Do you, when you're working in some of these areas, do they, you know, because we've had a different guests on that have talked about some of the similar areas. Mm-hmm. Do they ever go in conjunction with some other projects, whether it's we've had a lot of water um, projects yes. or yeah. is this kind of the start and then they get into other projects? Yeah. Um, so I've tried it a few different ways, like with medical teams and different, and what I, I realize is what we're teaching, what we're giving as the tool to be successful. And then the business plan for what you're going to do with your money and how you're going to reinvest is extremely overwhelming Mm -hmm. because it's all new concepts, right? And when you're trying to teach something that can change the home and the education of the people inside of that, they get very nervous. Like, oh, is a doctor going to leave? Am I? And, and all of a sudden, people are nervous. Like, I have a bad. Re- it, it was hard to have that many things happening. So, okay. in Malawi, what we did with when our very first lighthouse, he said, Nancy, what I want to do is bring lights. So you release the finances in the home. The home buys a chicken in the first seven days. Then they buy another chicken. Things start to multiply. They take 10 chickens and buy a goat. Like, Mm. and this is part of the teaching. So now you've stabilized the home. And now the home can look outside of their home and say, what does my community need? Mm. And they can participate in a well, meaning when the pump breaks, they have money to participate. So it releases the finances. And it's really like, I guess if we look at creation, right? Like <laughs> what's the first thing is light is let because. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It changes everything financially, like education, safety, security, and when you know looking at and there's so many ways to help right mm-hmm. but if we're the last mile of the hidden poor if your children if you can't eat you won't send your children to school no matter how nice it is mm-hmm. so i think my 
you know, I, I, as a mom, if I'm struggling, if I can't take care of my daily needs, it doesn't matter what's coming to my community because I need help. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you trickled onto something that's a common thread of our culture. Every culture is strong home life breeds everything else. So like you said, stabilizing the homes and, and, and creating a lot of confidence in that arena allows people to, to take that outside of that. I mean, we, we can identify with that. I mean, a lot of the issues that the U.S. deals with, it's home life. It's mm-hmm. stabilizing the home. So it's interesting to, to see that there's that parallel there, even when all of the environmentals are against you too. Like it's it's still the same concept of having that stable home life that seems to be the the core of allowing people to to get out of that just that cycle of poverty um that's a really interesting takeaway i, I mean i i would say that's one of the more interesting takeaways i've had on this show in parallels that actually does directly you know translate to to the way that we live mm-hmm. right like we can we can see that and so when when you say that in a different way, through a different lens, it, it strikes home. You go, yeah, yeah, people do need to have stability at home. And, you know, for some, I mean, it's as simple as turning a light on so that you can make mm-hmm. something so that you can trade it for a chicken or save your, money, yeah. save your money. Like, it's so, like, those concepts are the same. Like, I think of the things that, you know, I'm sure that every one of us are like, how how am I living inefficiently, like in that way, right? Like in going, yeah, it's it's more drastic in this situation, but it's it's really cool when you can draw the parallel and fully understand then what they're what they're really experiencing and why it's important for them to stabilize that. Yeah, absolutely. As you as you're going forward, you you mentioned. You know that it doesn't take much to help, or people can you know just distribute. Where are your needs, and where could listeners get involved? Is it financial? Is it volunteering? Is it um, where? Yes to everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think the sim- like the easiest is I'm happy to come and share how lots of love and create a project together and talk and, and share now that we have zoom, right. We can talk about this throughout the entire world and give people the opportunity to know there's a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's probably um, very easy to do. Um, obviously financial, right. That's something that every non-for-profit lives on. Um, but also just, you know, travel with us. Let's let's start to dream together. Reach out to um, to Watts of Love and say, "Hey, right? Can we have you come and speak? Can we talk about a project? Can we tag along on the Kenya project and see what you're doing? Is there a way to be part of the global grant? Like, we have so many avenues that um, that people can enter in on. That I'm, mm-hmm. you know, just opening the door and saying, Zotega, it's possible. Where, yeah. What part of this problem do you want to be part of? Wow. Um, I, this is not as inspiring, but I saw that the solar lights patented. Did you evolve the light itself or did you start with one that was patented? Sorry. Yeah, great question. So good question. Um, so when I, was in the field seeing our, my original light was larger and it had a solar panel. So it had a wire connecting the light to the solar panel and the light was a little bit larger. Okay. So I looked at this and I thought, okay, number one, I'm shipping air. And if I'm going to start lighting nations, I need to be more, I can't ship air. Yeah. So I'm logistics. Number two, the wire was being eaten by uh, the mice and the rats. Oh. So then you have a problem there. Yeah. 
Then I was in um, a leper colony where nobody had fingers. So everybody had leprosy. They didn't have fingers. They body parts were missing. And I realized, oh my goodness, they can't push a button because they didn't have fingers. So I have pictures of this I can share. And I watched them struggle as a handicapped person. And I thought, if I ever have the opportunity to design my own light, I'm going to design it for their needs. Mm. Because the lights that I'm giving are not designed for them. Mm. So I have two patents on the light. It's designed for a harsh environment, number one. Number two, it has um, hands-free. So it comes on a lanyard. The solar panel is in the back. So now it's one piece. But it's wearable. Again, all responsibility is on the end user. If you leave it out, it will be stolen. You know, it's all of that's part of the teaching, but now their hands are free so they can put it on top of their head. I had the ability to go back to the leper colony and to the woman who inspired me. She was one of the very first people to receive a light. And she said, thank you for giving us back our dignity Mm. with going to the bathroom at night. Mm -hmm. Something I never even thought of. You know, so everything we we've done is because of the, you know, our, our, use, our customers. And even in the center, there's a raised heart because nobody has glasses. So now you can feel where to push and you just push and hold in the center. The first setting will last 121 hours, 10 hours, two and a half hours. And that's over 275 lumens. So you Mm. can operate, deliver a baby, and then there's an emergency strobe. When I added the emergency strobe, I thought, oh, you know, because I was designing the circuit board, I thought, okay, I'll put an emergency strobe. Well, this emergency strobe, which I didn't realize, has now become the 911 of communities. For example, the (sighs) Navajo Nation, the Navajo people who live miles away from each other or of a helicopter. So they're using this as communication. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In Africa, the elephants break out at night in African parks and come and eat the people's crops. Well, guess what an elephant is afraid of? A bright flashing light. Uh. (laughs) They're not throwing sticks and rocks. And so the human wildlife conflict is being downgraded. So, I mean, it's just... We would need another show to go through <laughs> all of that. Wow. <laughs> I am blown away. Well, and something it's is, just like one thing after yeah. another, Nancy. Well, and something I like to do in our interviews is is typically you kind of start from the beginning and then you, you get to where you're at today. Mm-hmm. And something that I took away was when, when you landed on the island the first time and you were like, oh, my gosh, logistics. Mm-hmm. Like, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And now you're – then you get over here and you're – I'm designing a light. And creating circuit boards and stuff. Yeah. How? Like, what What was this, like, the arc, the arc of all of that? Because you're yeah. a completely different person, right? Like, with a completely different skill set. Yeah. Um, sounds like the same dream, though. You know, it sounds like it was the same dream that kept you going through all of that. But it, it's just an interesting observation of, and for our listeners, of start. Start yeah. where you're at. And yes. then figure it out because it's like well, every person, it's incredible. Like they yeah, start so, out and they have no idea what they're doing and then they're <laughs> designing lights. <laughs> and that's true. I, and, and just to kind of, you know, tie in with that real quick here, Nancy, you could have, you could have stopped, right? Like you first had that initial gut punch of fear that said, no, wh- why? Like, why would I do this? People are sitting here going, what? the heck is this and you overcame that (laughs) like i wish you could have listened to our last interview because like you too would get along so well and we'll probably just have to make that introduction but regardless like you this is such inspiration for individuals listening going okay well you know what if it's not rotary i have had this 
thing brewing in my head and I have held, had all these limitations, but man, Nancy <laughs> is giving these prime examples of just overcome, overcome, overcome. Okay. This is the next thing I could have get, I could have given up right here, you know, step three, step four. And now here you are at step 150 and, and it's just the impact, the, the domino effect of impact is absolutely mind blowing. So thank you for all that you do. <laughs> well, thank you. And I believe if you don't quit, you win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there are, there are obstacles every day. There are, you yeah. know, new things like, oh, I've never done this before. And like, yeah, just, you know, but if you believe that you have been given a dream, a vision that you can't explain, you take the first step. If that mm-hmm. door closes, open another door. Don't take it personally like you're supposed to stop. Yeah, It just means you're supposed to shift, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm going to look at something, I open up a few doors. Okay, yeah. Okay, this one's, there's flow here, right? So you follow the flow instead mm-hmm. of trying to force something. Hmm. And yep. sometimes I'm like, well, it's not a no. It's just maybe in a, not a right now. Yeah. Sure. And those answers are okay because you'll reshift. And, um, you know, if, if you have an idea or you don't have an idea, come on a Watts of Love trip. See what we're doing. Not that you have to do Watts of Love, but sometimes you you transform your thinking and you see what's possible to co- go home and do your impossible, right? Sure. Yeah. Wow, Nancy just want to take a moment and say thank you so much for coming on. You You are truly an inspiration and your story is, has left an lasting impact on me personally. So absolutely. Well, thank you. Yep. Thank you you very much. And thank you to all of our listeners um, for tuning in to searching for service. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. I'm Chad Larson. And we'll be back. Of the things we think, say, or do. Is it the truth? Is it fair to walk on sun? Will it be a good will and better fresh air? Is it the truth? Is it fair to walk on sun? Will it be beneficial to walk on sun? Join Rotary to serve your community and the world with honesty, fairness, and goodwill. Our four-way test guides our actions every day. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? These values underpin our commitment to making a positive impact on the world. Learn more about your local Rotary Club and stop searching and start serving. And the song you're hearing now was performed by Rotary Club of Dar es Salaam Oyster Bay. the truth is it fair to all concerned will it build good will it better friendships will it be beneficial to all concerned when we pay it forward it will be returned join rotary to serve your community and the world with honesty fairness and goodwill our four-way test guides our actions every day is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? Will it be beneficial to all concerned? These values underpin our commitment to making a positive impact on the world. Learn more about your local Rotary Club and stop searching and start serving. And the song you're hearing right now was performed by the Rotary Club of Saskatoon, Natuna in Canada. When we pay it forward, it will be returned. Show off your Rotary Club spirit with Russell Hampton Company. They're the world's largest provider of licensed Rotary items. They make everything like hats, jackets, shirts, banners, and more. Russell Hampton Company is a fourth-generation family-owned and operated business founded in 1920 by a member of the first-ever Rotary Club in Chicago, Club Number 1. When you call Russell Hampton Company, you get more than just a company. You get a fellow Rotarian-owned business who's there to help. No matter if you're ordering for your entire club or just yourself, 
No order is too big or too small. Not sure what your club needs? Their team members can help and customize just about anything. They live by the Rotary 4-Way Test. They also give 10% of all purchases back to Rotary to support Rotary's global work. So remember, Russell Hampton Company is your one-stop shop for all things Rotary. Learn more at bestclubsupplies.com. That's bestclubsupplies.com. Russell Hampton Company, Rotarians serving Rotarians. Hello and welcome back to Searching for Service, brought to you by Rotary District 5950. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. Wow, we just had a pretty amazing interview here yeah. with uh, Nancy Economo, who's the founder and CEO of Watts of Love. Yeah, it was pretty special. <laughs> it was amazing. Very inspiring. I'll put all the links, uh, some more information, a video link in the description. So if you want to check out their website, go there. Or if you want to watch the video, that kind of shows a little bit more of what they're doing and some of the impact they're mm-hmm. having. So check yeah. that out. Kelly, what was your biggest takeaway? I was just going to ask you guys that. <laughs> Thank you for asking me first. Um, I, I first of all, was incredibly enthralled with yeah. the story and the impact. And it just felt like like every single turn in our conversation or our interview with Nancy, there was one other way that lots of love or this this solar light was impacting not only the people, but the community. And then, you know, like <laughs> the the big thing to me was like that the the people and wildlife and how yeah. it was impacting that too. Didn't I was like, know. I mean, is there anything else you want to add, Nancy? <laughs> so that was fine. <laughs> oh, you, Chad. We we learned a lot about persistence mm-hmm. and taking a goal and and just keep pressing on. You know, yeah. she talked about a few challenges. I'm sure there's challenges every day mm-hmm. that she faces, and you could tell from her attitude, it was very inspiring. That solve the problem, move on, yeah, and and do what you can, and it'll pay off. Well, and that message too at the yeah. end that we that we shared at the beginning of our like start of this yeah. was she realized that maybe a door would shut, but she didn't take that as a she forever didn't take it no. personally. Yeah, it wasn't a forever I, no, I liked so. I liked that that yeah. she didn't take about, things personally. How about you, Joe? My biggest takeaway was definitely what I mentioned in the interview was and, and it's it just keeps playing in my head is, you know, no matter where you start, what skills you have, it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. you can know nothing about I mean, I just, I go, she, she got to the island and her shipment wasn't there and she didn't think about international logistics and yeah. things like yeah. that. Right. Like, of course you didn't. Right. Like you're just yeah. trying to get something done. Yeah. Right. And then to listen to her patent a light. Yeah. Yeah. It's just incredible and so inspiring and just, it inspires me to just keep going and Absolutely. I hope yeah. it inspires all of you too. Yeah. Thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in. I'm Kelly Kirk. I'm Joe Kirk. And I'm Chad Larson. It's time to stop searching and start serving. See you next week. 